even stretching. Oh gosh, my back. You doing okay uh, over there? Oh yeah, just you know, wake up with a headache every day, but that's good. Having small children and a small dog is probably not the cure for that. Oh no, it's not. Or my floors. Who needs floors? Who needs? Floors? What are you gonna do with those? Stand on them. don't need floors in space that's right yeah subspace transmissions episode 35 we finally got the sad ending to lower decks season two where unfortunately all of our main characters have passed <laughs> <laughs> did we lose any characters this spoilers spoiler hello uh, yeah, welcome spo- <laughs> thank you uh, uh season two yeah yeah season two we talked Spoilers. about the first half of it um man what a great show uh i don't think we did lose anyone it seemed like we were gonna lose someone at the end here it did it certainly did i thought they would do another uh shacks situation mm-hmm, when we mm-hmm. thought we were gonna lose oh, we could just say spoilers again boimler at the end there Mm-hmm. Uh, which you obviously knew Boimler's like the main character, so it would have to be some sort of rebirth thing, right? Right. Uh, but he's lower decks, so he, he can't be rebirthed, I guess. I don't know. Doesn't have access to whatever the uh, the upper deck people have where they don't talk <laughs> about it. They never die, they just come back. Yeah. Oh, man. Where did we leave off last time? The Spy Humongous... I think is was the last one, right? Um, uh, maybe, yeah. I think I don't remember the names of the episodes. Um, hold on, I'm I'm looking at it now. Uh, yeah, probably that's probably about where we stopped. I think so because we didn't talk about the Billups episode where he goes to his mother's ship. No, oh, we definitely didn't talk about that. So that would I think the spy one was the one where uh. Where Boimler gave the, the huge speech and uh, the pack-led refugee was on board. That was that was definitely what we talked about last time. So, starting yeah. from episode seven, there's only four episodes to talk about here, but uh, they were all really good. I think they just got better as it went. I think episode seven was the one we could start with. That one, the sure. uh, the Renfair Society, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Who's it? It's the chief. But chief chief Billups. No, Chief Engineer Billups. Engineer, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Engineer Billups, yes. Uh, he, uh... So good. He turns out that he's a... <laughs> he turns out that he's a prince of the... God, what's this, the name of their planet? Oh, my God. Hesperia. Hesperia. Yeah. Or whatever. Some space uh, fantasy name. Just space, like real. Yeah, and they're all knights and like the the ship looks like a giant lance and it has like <laughs> I love the idea. It's like they're like it's all magic and like everyone's dressed in like yeah. medieval times clothes and then like 
they just go over there with like spanners and stuff <laughs> do normal engineering like they open a panel and there's like normal circuitry under there so I, it like seemed a, like they were veneer. implying that they didn't really know how it worked yeah i'm not they, they talked about it like it was magic but obviously yeah. Yeah. yeah um and this also the episode where we get uh ad agamus i can't remember the name of the the computer oh yes oh the my AI. god yes the computer is like i'm not gonna lie i liked the computer part of this episode better than the other part oh of course the computer you did. is so dumb of course <laughs> you did because it was played by oh should i have known this i don't think i know jeffrey combs oh yeah <laughs> i think that makes, makes like his el- 11th character in universe <laughs> I think it's like his 11th character. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, obviously, it's the better part of the episode. Um, I think you just you could sum up the the Renaissance plot pretty quickly, which was the ship blows up, supposedly. Uh, But the whole point is that, like, Billings' mom is trying to get him to have Billings becomes king if becomes king if he has relations right yeah uh, and so his mom keeps trying to like trick him into having sex <laughs> basically yeah so he he is still a virgin and has never had sex because the minute he does he becomes king um so she keeps trying to trick him all the time he doesn't like his mother all these types of things so they fake an explosion on the ship that kills rutherford quote unquote Supposedly, right. Supposedly, and they trick the Cerritos' sensors into believing all this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, he also thinks his mother is dead in the explosion, right? Yeah, he thinks his mother and like a bunch of the guards and Rutherford right. were all killed in the explosion. And so that way he he has to he has to now ascend to the throne. Right. Um, but it turns out he can't uh, perform. <laughs> right they're like specially trained guards or whatever that she has who are basically just like like sexy prostitutes or something are just i don't like, know yeah they, but they seem like they're really good like security probably but at the same time they're just like completely constantly like naked all down the time for it and like <laughs> trying to be like on top of them all, yeah at every like a guy and a girl, right? They're just like, whatever yeah. you want, here you go, you know? Yeah. Uh, what I would argue, you just know. very silly. Yeah. So it turns out it was all of ploy. Uh, Rutherford's and, fine, and he comes. And Rutherford and the Queen are like sitting in a room. They're feasting. just partying. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> they've been partying the whole time. Uh, Tendi, Tendi is part of that plot as well, uh, tangentially, as like a, oh my gosh, Rutherford's dead, and I can't believe my friend's gone. And. But she's right, the one that right. figures out that he's still alive and all that. Uh, I would nominate that as the B plot because the other plot yes. makes me laugh so hard. Uh, so good. With the AI that it continuously is trying to get itself plugged into the ship. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's, it's, okay, I don't remember how this part started, but they go to get this... They retrieve this thing from somewhere, So right? one of the planets has has fallen prey to an AI that has taken over... But they ask for Starfleet's help, I believe, and they come and they right. remove the AI from the planet and they stick it in a containment vessel. And they're supposed to be transporting it to uh, the Daystrom Institute, which is from right. 
uh, multiple Star Trek Shows. iterations. Yeah. Um, and they crash land on a planet because they get caught in something. I don't remember. Space thing happens. Uh, some space, yeah, some space anomaly crashes the ship on a desert planet with no water or food, and the radio's broken. Um, and the crucially, the computer containment vessel breaks. Right, so and because are, he's so it's now out. yeah, so because he's sentient, Boimler follows Star Starfleet protocol and drags him around everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because he he can't not. Uh, but, but they both know that it's evil. Know that it's evil and try to listen to it. <laughs> the listen. whole episode now is just the thing constantly going to Boimler. Just plug me in. Just plug computer. me in. It'll be fine. Just, just plug me in. in. I'll I'll save you. I'll I'll bring you with me. I swear. When I fix the, the thing. Oh, so it gets so bad that they eventually like bury him in the sand at nighttime so they can sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, they. So uh, I guess Boimler was supposed to be doing a different job, maybe? Yeah, he was supposed to be doing a field mission, but Mariner, it turns out, got him reassigned Yeah, to do this because she doesn't think he's ready for field ops, even though we're half a season away from him having saved the entire crew of, uh, of the um, Titan, right? Uh-huh. Like she just doesn't want to accept that he's he can take care of himself these days, which I thought was, was a nice little development between their two characters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so eventually they come to fisticuffs. Boimler fights Mariner and wins. Uh, and it, and they come to fisticuffs because like Boimler's like maybe we should listen to the AI and yeah. like Mariner's like no, are you a moron? Like you know. That kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, it seems like a very natural progression of people being on a desert island kind of thing, right? And uh, totally. eventually losing it on each other uh, with the computer egging them on the whole time. In yeah. Very perfect Jeffrey Combs style. Uh, so so Boimler eventually so incapacitates Mariner with a, I think it was a phaser. He tricks her and phasers her. And then uh, finds a deserted ship's computer. And uh, the AI is like, man, I can power this ship. We can get off this planet. Just plug me in. Just plug me in, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he plugs him in, and the AI starts to power things up and goes crazy and is like, yes, now I control the entire universe. I'm going to kill you and them and everybody else. He's <laughs> like, I'm evil, taking I'm- over, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, it's over for you. And uh, then Mariner shows back up. And right, Mariner um, comes in. She's like, what have you done? What have you done? He's like, nothing. I haven't done anything. <laughs> I plugged him into the distress be- beacon. Right. <laughs> and he's like, what? He's like, no. What? No, that can't be true. Look, I can do this. And he's like, yeah, man, I, you control the lights. Congratulations. Yeah, it's like, I can do this. And he, like, flickers the lights. Yeah. He's like, I'm not he's insane. Like, I'm not gonna- Boimler's like, I'm not going to plug him into anything important. This guy's crazy. (laughs) Great, great, uh, great, you know, and then, you know, they make up. Mariner apologizes. Boimler apologizes. Everybody's fine. It's a pretty good episode. I love that one a lot. Um, It was really good. (sighs) The next one up is, uh, what, (laughs) 
<laughs> Let me see if you can remember what it is based on the title. I excretus. Uh, I remember what this one is because the title was so weird. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the episode where the crew is undergoing tests. It's so good. I don't I love, remember. I love this one. The name of the the instructor. Uh, the- Shari, I think. Okay. Sh- I think it was Shari. She's the she's the one that can like split her body into pieces. Right. Which we've seen in some other Star Trek thing before once, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I, I yeah. think she's not a new character. Like an original series thing or something? Um, let's see. I think it's not from that. I think it's from the cartoon. Uh, actually. Okay. That I mean, would explain why I didn't remember it. I've watched the cartoon, the original series cartoon, which came out after the, the third season uh, mm-hmm. and was, I believe, one season long, maybe two. Um, it wasn't great. The acting is pretty flat. I think I've talked about it a little bit before. Yeah, we, I think um, we covered it a bit. But I'm pretty sure... Yeah, okay. I did look it up on Memory Alpha while we were talking here. And uh, it is from the... The cartoon. Kirk, Kirk and Spock are, like, put into jail by uh, Pandronians. Uh, they're They're called colony creatures, I guess, because their body is not made up of a body, but a cooperative organism of multiple multiple uh, bodies that work together, like ants. Got it. Well, this one is a drill instructor or something in Starfleet. Yeah, so they've, they've been integrated into Starfleet since that, I guess. And she is trying to, unbeknownst to the crew, prove that these crews still need outside, uh, like, a, a testing drills basically like to make so sure she's that- the administer of these drills and so she's trying to make sure that her dr- like her drilling regimen is still important for people to do right yes exactly uh, because and- they, they've all been passing so well in starfleet like most of the crews are competent enough that like she's she's worried that she doesn't have a job pretty soon right and yeah. the <laughs> and so by doing this the like the crew, one by one, go into these, like, testing chambers, which are, like, little virtual reality holodeck kind of pod things, I yep. guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they put them in these classic Star Trek scenarios. Very basically. classic. And, you know, then... Uh, and meanwhile, they're, like, being scored throughout what <laughs> what they choose to do. Yes, and they <laughs> they get multiple tests and multiple chances. So, like, if they can't pass one, they can try in another. So, I think what uh, uh, Mariner has done, like, yeah. four or five of them, and she fails all of them. The right. uh, Oh, and the, the twist is that you have to do the opposite job. So, like, the lower decks people get... Oh, right, get, that's the get, thing. Yes, yeah, we didn't talk about that. The lower decks people get senior officer jobs, and the senior officers get lower deck jobs. Yes, pretty good uh, pretty good and so you know like boimler and mariner are thrust into situations that you would see you know kirk or picard or one of these type people in and you know mariner is one of hers is she goes back to the old west which oh is yeah she's like oh i got start. this one she's like i got this one she jumps on the horse and the horse like <laughs> kicks her off and then she immediately loses 30 percent of her score or whatever <laughs> because the horse didn't like her and she's like horses love me what the hell yeah she's like i am great at horses yeah uh um so good 
And the so- best one though is that Boimler doesn't do multiple drills. But Boimler gets a Borg drill. Right. And he passes it immediately. Like he gets what? Like 89 gets, or something percent. Like, like a, a very good score. 89% on his first go, right? And he's like, oh, I could do better than that. And the computer's like, well, you can retry it if you want. But if you get a worse score, then that's it. You can't retry it again. And you're stuck with that score. <laughs> so he's, he's like, like, oh, let's go. I yeah, do let's it. do it again. I know everything about the Bork. No problem. And so, like, the, the first time through, he just escapes, right? And he gets, like, an 89%. The second time through, he grabs a Borg baby. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's, saves, like, he saves a Borg saves baby. a Borg baby at the same time. And it poops him up one more <laughs> percent. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, he's, like, dodging all the drones and hiding. And he's like, okay, I got this. And he, like, like oh, buckles okay. down to do it again. And, like... <laughs> It starts getting more and more ridiculous, the extra stuff he's doing to get, like, 1%. <laughs> At a certain point in it, he's, like, got, like, three phaser rifles and, like, carrying an entire herd of babies on his back. And he's, like, setting the cube to blow itself up. And, and it's, like, 93%. Uh, oh, man. It's so good. It's really, really funny. And, and we keep uh, going back to him throughout the episode. Him just like still trying yeah, to up it a little bit more as they um, as they continue to try to do things together. Uh, like they have a Mariner and and Captain Freeman have a docking drill they try to do together to save their scores. Right. Um, and and the crew comes to believe that that's not really a drill for scores as much as like oh we get it like you making us argue and see the other side they're rigged for failure because we need to learn how hard it is to do the other person's job thank you so much and that's when it's like the reveal is like no i'm failing you so that your ship gets decommissioned and i still have a job yeah the yeah, everyone's like, oh, this is such a great like bonding exercise. Everyone see through everyone else's eyes. What a great idea. And the, this lady's like, no, I'm going to give you all Fs and fail the entire ship. Get you yeah. all fired and decommissioned. Like, but, I don't care about you. But she can't submit the scores until every simulation is done. Mm-hmm. And the only simulation still going is Boimler. Right. And she's like, we'll just have to wait for the last simulation to be done. And they're like... Who isn't done? We did those at like, you know, 0800 or whatever. Yeah. It's like Boimler is still in there doing the Borg one. <laughs> and so, you know, they're like, it's what is, is it Mariner that contacts him in there? I think it is, right? And she's uh, like, yeah, you Mariner cannot gets end your current run. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's, you have to stay in there. He's on pace. His last run was 99%. And he's on pace to finally get 100% on the run they call him on, right? And, right. Uh, and they're like, do whatever you have to do to keep the simulation alive while we fly into like black holes and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, And so like, you know, they, they keep, he, they're like, keep it running. Don't leave no matter what. Right. The ship depends on it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) At a certain point, Freeman's like, like, you know what? (laughs) Let's show her how this did, how this crew really works. Let's go fly into this black hole. (laughs) And she's like, wait, what? Yeah. Let's go find uh, the craziest anomaly in this sector and that sector. And, uh, it turns out that the uh, the dangerous situations aren't actually that dangerous. Right. They're just making them look bad. She changes their scores, but not before Boimler has been, like, assimilated inside the, the drill. He's on the uh, 
the table that Data gets strapped to in First Contact, right? Yeah. And then the, this drill is coming down to, like, you know, cut his arm open or whatever. Yeah. Uh, at Like, you know, <laughs> he's, that's, like, losing it. That's when he becomes excretus of Borg. Right. And uh, and the lower decks get a new food food synthesizer, food replicator. Right, that makes, like, actual food. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Oh man, that there, thinking there about so it now, very silly like, in joke too. For all of the like, we didn't even talk about Tendi and Rutherford, who also had like little simulations. Oh, that they were did. Funny. Yeah, all of them were funny. I I like the last episode maybe the most of this season, but this one might be my favorite. I think I laughed the hardest in this one out of the whole season. This one I have the most memories of. Like yeah. just like if you'd ask me to recall stuff, I would recall stuff from this one because of how silly and like vignette it was. Yeah. Um, the next one is weird because it turns out that it's more important for the season finale final moments than it was. I mean, it was just kind of there for me until the season finale, right? This one was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, that was a cute episode, but there wasn't much to talk about afterwards. Um, it was cute because it was a day in the life type of story, finally, that we haven't had in a while. Yeah, um, where they have to go the first season and we haven't had one in a bit. Yeah. So they go on a long warp and everyone gets some downtime. Um, the captain decides everyone gets downtime during the, the long warp. No, no jobs. Just relax. Uh, so what we get is multiple ships, right? It's the Cerritos, a Vulcan cruiser and a Klingon bird of prey. I think yes, are the three ships, and they all we all we see the day in the life of all the lower decks crew on all three ships. One of which, the, I think, the Vulcan one, she looks exactly like Boimler, or no, like uh, like um, Mariner. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, she has a lot of similar like facial features. And I, no, she's animated similar. exactly the same. <laughs> she's just a different different skin tone with different hair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It look a yeah, picture very similar like I, i'm looking at two, oh you got two her drawings of, of her and uh, put mariner. her and boimler next to each other she's just a vulcan uh vulcan mariner yeah yeah the the, <laughs> the, the like facial like drawing is very similar so it's yeah. like easy to see that way yeah yeah that's very funny to me um, like, i wonder are those two going to join the crew here is that oh interesting okay so I was going to ask you about that as well. Uh, it's very clear that by the end of it, uh, Talin is going to be assigned to Starfleet, right? Yes. Um, yeah, but I... but Chate, what the guy? What's his name? Lower decks officer Ma'a. Okay, I didn't remember the name of the. Uh, I just looked it up. I I couldn't remember Ma'a. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be interesting. That one is less clear because he's the captain of a ship now by the end, right? Yeah, but also you wonder if, like, yeah, he's the captain, right? But if he goes back to the Klingon homeworld and they're like, what the hell? And they take it away oh, and okay. assign him to Starfleet. It could be. Because, like, why are they introducing him, you know, other than to give him, like, a foil to show how it's different? Yeah, that's what I kind of thought what it was going to be. I, I'm not. I wouldn't even be surprised if Talin doesn't show up next season and become I guess, an officer. Yeah, it, it could be because I don't even know who plays 
Who who voices her? Gab- Gabrielle Ruiz, who has done three other characters on this show. Oh, they all look the same. Interesting. That's oh wait, fun. interesting is so is the so she has on- played so Gabrielle Ruiz plays Talyn. She also played Ensign Castro and Lieutenant Lamont, and they all are kind of animated, similar looking. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, so she may not be back in that form. The actress will probably be back. Um, yeah, but they reused tons of voice actors yeah. and actors and actresses in these sorts of shows. So that's not too surprising. Right. John Curry. I don't know who that is. John Curry. Oh, he's apparently a voice actor from multiple things. Okay. Avatar. And- well, maybe I read too much into it and it's not a thing. It could be. Uh, yeah, it could be. It might not be. I don't know. There's no real way to know with these guys. They'll they'll pull from anywhere. Like they'll yep. they'll wait a whole season to be like that thing is a beginning. That's important. They are certainly not afraid to lay dumb jokes and then let them sit until and the then bring them back. Yeah. Time. yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's a pretty prolific voice voice actor of uh, small roles. Like he did some Arkham Origins. Arkham Knight, Dragon Age Inquisition, Infamous. So he's done video game stuff. Yeah, random characters in Star Wars games, Hitman games, Medal of Honor games. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the other plot is that like everyone is trying to find time during this episode. Is every, during the downtime, right? They want to try and like do something cool with a bridge crew member. Yeah, on the uh, Cerritos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, so what is it? Uh, Rutherford goes with, uh, shoot. Why am I not remembering? I don't remember. Isn't this the one where Tendy is trying to avoid, right? Ten- Tendy is trying to, Oh avoid no, that's the, the next one. No, that's the next one. Oh, is that the next one? Shoot. Yeah. We're jumping ahead. Yeah. I don't remember what the rest of the crew does. I only remember Boimler's plot in this one. Yeah, it, it's kind of like uh, I think like Tendy is rock climbing with the Doctor, right? Oh, and like Boimler, like yes. Tendy and the do- Doctor go rock climbing. I'm it, trying to remember what they're all uh, tangential because it's all Boimler trying to find right. something to do, and so he runs into like Tendy and Rutherford doing something, and you know, like everybody else it, doing stuff. Yeah, Ru- Rutherford and Shaq are like throwing clay. Oh, that's Shaq's, right. Shaq's uh, is throwing really clay. Great. And what does he say? He says something and Shaq's loses it. It's like something about like, oh, like, is this how you work out? Like, is this how you come back? Or I forget what he said. It's something about like bringing up the time that he died or something. Right? <laughs> Rutherford's like, you need to leave. He's like, I'm not joking. You need to go right now. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, uh, so Boimler eventually ends up wearing a Hawaiian shirt and pretending he's from Hawaii. Right, he runs into Ransom and a couple other people in a turbo lift or something, and is like, it, they're all like, oh, this is the like men, the people from Hawaii Club or whatever. And it's and all like, a bunch of aliens, and you're like, yeah, wait a minute. To, to like, oh, one, uh, yeah, it's it's Ransom, uh, a, an alien, uh, what's the, the guys who breathe through the like neck thing? Yeah. The little vapors, and then another like weird human. Who yeah. are like, oh yeah, we're all from Hawaii, and Boyman was like, uh, me too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 
which turns out they were all lying. None of them mm-hmm, are from Hawaii, course. but right. uh, they all enjoy each other's company. <laughs> they find out Boimler was lying because he says he doesn't want to die in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Uh, and also attacked later like then they all find out that they're from the moon or from a moon right well it's mm, you know they could all be lying again right right but then like boimler tries to go like i'm from modesto and they're like get out of here (laughs) it's like the moon of california yeah it's like the moon of california they're like no yeah no you're out it's like okay come on yep uh, clearly the other two are lying, but that's fine. Uh, so the, the B plots on the other two ships, right? They don't mm-hmm. seem like they're connected until later in the show. Um, Talin is trying to understand that she is like doing stuff beyond. She's trying to do things. Be- Her plot is really funny. She's trying to push the sensors beyond their, uh, design. And they're like, why would you do that? That's, mm-hmm. there's no reason to do that. It, and then she's like, yeah, it's illogical to make them work at 101%. Why would you do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she pushes them beyond. Then she finds an anomaly. And then the anomaly is like something she's not supposed to research, but she does it anyway. Uh, turns out the anomaly is the Paclid having set off a bomb or something. Yeah, or having a bomb or something that yeah, they're not supposed to have. It's yeah. not quite clear, but it's... uh, Yeah. <laughs> Her plot is always marked by the end of a scene being someone telling her she's going to get in trouble or her captain being like, you need to stop doing this. You are out of control and irrational. <laughs> it's like they're like the, the the Vulcan disciplinary system is like, you need to go meditate for yes. an hour. <laughs> you will now meditate. And so she's in meditating and the other people come in to meditate anyway even though it's mm-hmm. a punishment yeah. for her and she's like working and they're like you need to not be working you will be reported it's like okay why don't you report me <laughs> she's yep yeah it gets very funny because like the the like snippy answers she's giving are like <laughs> very clearly like sarcasm or whatever but everyone treats them seriously <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh meanwhile on the vulcan ship the the ma'a is trying to work his way into like the captain's graces. Uh, and they, they're all talking about how the XO is not a good XO who ends up getting killed during a fight in the mess. And, Mm -hmm. and so he's trying to work his way up to XO now. He's trying to be, you know, his like whole thing is like, you know, I'm going to be like, I have a, you know, rotation shift on the bridge. The captain will notice me. Yeah. And you know, then, the captain does notice him and asks him to walk his dog. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which is important later. Uh, yes. So the big twist is that all the three plots come together at a pack led ship because it turns out the Vulc, this Klingon captain Dorf has been like trying plotting. to supply the pack leads with, with big, huge bombs Veruvian bombs, right? Those are the ones from yeah. earlier in the season. Yes. Uh, to sneak onto Earth and blow up. But the Pakleds have because, been... Because he wants to start a war with the Federation, right? right? Is his whole thing. Yes. So he wants to start a war that weakens the Federation so that they can... Klingon Empire can take over again. Right. Um, turns out the Pakleds have been testing the Veruvian bombs and they need more. And they're like, 
well, because they're gone now. It's like, yeah, you blew them up. You can only blow them up one time. And he's like, we want to blow up more. Yeah. Stop testing. (laughs) It's so, and it, and so, you know, like, these weapons are, you know, the pack leads aren't supposed to have. They're kind of illegal or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, was it this Lord Ma'a or the Lower Decks Klingon guy is like, this is dishonorable, you know, yeah. making these other people fight for us. We should fight for ourselves. Right, you know, and, exactly. Like, trying to, like, be all, like, you know, ha-ha, because he thinks the captain is so good and honorable, like, we should do this thing. And then the captain's like, no, it has been my plan all along. Ha ha ha. So the, uh, the Cerritos accidentally stumbles into this and they start getting fired on by the Cleons and the Packleds. And then the Vulcans run down the anomaly and show up to save the day. Right. And, uh, what happened? Oh, and so everyone's getting kind of beat up. And, uh, Talin says, well, you know. I've got this other side project that I've been working on with the shields. And they're like, why would you do that? And it's like, well, you know, let's not worry about it right now. And instead maybe use it instead of Mm -hmm. having us all die. (laughs) It's like, okay. But she gets punished at the end for her emotionalism uh, and is transferred to a Starfleet ship after they save the Cerritos. The Cerritos is saved because Ma'a challenges Dwarf to his to his uh, un- dishonorable ways and kills right. the captain in battle because the dog helps him out. Yeah, because he's been nice to the dog, and so yeah. the dog helps him and, like, bites the captain at a crucial moment, and he stabs yep. him. Yep. Uh, and so good. now he's the captain, right? Because that's how that yep. stuff works and on so Klingon they pull ships. Out. Yep. And the Klingons leave, and yep. the Packlet are dumb and left alone. Yep, and they left alone, they lose. Yeah. Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, uh, yeah, final last, episode. Yeah. Final episode, yeah. First contact. This episode is great. Yeah. Captain Sonia Gomez is the uh, a friend of Captain Freeman, I guess, is the implication here. Captain right? Sonia Gomez is from TNG. She is? Yeah, Sonia Gomez. You remember her? No. <laughs> um, I... I remembered that she, she she seemed like familiar, but I couldn't remember why. Um, she's the girl that spills uh, hot chocolate on Picard in TNG. <laughs> Got it. Well, that's why I didn't remember. Yeah, that's still very good. I think that. she's in two to three episodes of TNG. I can't remember. Uh, wonderful. I love but, the deep pulls in this show, man. That's so good. Yeah. She's uh she's a good kid. I like her. She makes a good captain too, huh? Mm-hmm. Um so they are going to do first co- Sonia Gomez is gonna go do first contact on her ship, but the Cerritos is gonna back them up uh for second contact. Uh they don't want to scare people, so they're gonna come in two like one at a time. And then, what happens? A solar flare blows up a yeah, asteroid like a, or a moon or yeah. Th- I think there's like a, a weird asteroid in the system or something. 
There's some and sort of a major solar flare blows it up and creates like a debris field and a, like a huge energy pulse or something. Yeah. That knocks out the whatever the other ship that Sonya is is captain of. I still have her page open, so let's see. The Archimedes. And uh the ship takes, you know, all sorts of damage and is completely out of control. Yes, lost it is complete power. Blown straight at the first contact planet. So it's going to right. cause they said a like like life ending event if it slams into the planet uncontrolled. Right. And it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's a very big ship, you know. It's yeah. only very big hitting your planet is probably bad. <laughs> uh, and the Cerritos is the closest ship. They can't use warp because of the whatever the weird energy thing. And but the the mine the debris field is like attracted to metal or something. Is that yeah? The, the whatever ore is inside. The, the um, asteroid. The asteroid is attracted to the hull plating, the polarized hull plating, uh, right. of the ships. And when that stuff hits your ship, it's going to cause the power loss symptoms again, right. and exactly wreck their ship. Yeah. Uh, compounding. Oh, <laughs> I'm not reading this, but it says compounding in here too. Uh, I was going to say compounding the plot problems, um, or you know, uh, kind of. Adding to the issues of this, they are uh, dealing with Tendi and Freeman probably leaving the ship, it sounds like, you know? Right. So there was, uh, early on here, it seemed like Captain Freeman is going to be promoted off to another ship. Yeah. And um, it also seems like Tendi is being removed from from the ship as well. They don't think she wants to be in sickbay. Um, but Freeman, but let's see. Uh, Mariner's the only one that knows about Freeman, right? Uh, to start right. with, Mariner Mariner finds out, uh, and the captain hasn't told anyone, and so she immediately starts like spreading rumors. Yeah, to try uh, and, and uh, get people upset at her because she's upset at her, right? Right. Uh, again, you know, Mariner and her mom not getting along. Well, New- more yeah, more it- this time. It seems it seems more obvious this time to me that they did a really good job of like. Hey, you know, um, this is not about the captain. It's about Mariner this time, right? Like it's clearly about her, like not her desire to keep her mother closer, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, which they get to it by the end of it where she admits like, uh, we finally got close and now you're leaving me and all this type of stuff comes out. But like, yep. At the beginning they did, they've done enough character development this season, I think to show, Hey, you know, she doesn't want to leave her mom anymore. Unlike before. Right. Yeah, it's good. And it is very good. And Tendi sees them, like, deleting her name from the medical records and assumes she's going to be fired or, yeah. you know, removed from the ship or whatever. I think I think the cat doctor even says, like, she's not, she she doesn't belong here, I think is what she says. Right. Right. Yeah. And so they go through, you know, so she's thinking that, you know, she's going to be removed this whole time. Uh, meanwhile, Rutherford is having issues again with all his <laughs> implants because this is a self-created problem. Uh, totally is. Totally is. You could argue that a lot of these were self-created problems. Maybe oh, not Tendi's, but everyone oh, else. Yeah. No, well, I mean Tendi's is too, right? If she had confronted the doctor earlier on in the episode, 
and right. had confidence in herself knowing that she was good at her job, um, she would not have had all the problems she had, right? She wouldn't have spent the whole episode trying to avoid mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, the medical problems. Anyway, um, yeah, so Rutherford's trying to keep three copies of Tendi, <laughs> of, of every, every memory of Tendi. Because he lost those other memories in last season, right? Uh, when Shax saved him, he remember Shaps like ripped out his implant, right? Yeah, um, and so, so he lost the one. memories there mm-hmm. when he came back, and now he's afraid of losing those memories again. So he's been saving triplicate copies, and uh, is running out of space, and so he keeps <laughs> getting like hilarious <laughs> pop ups in the middle of his vision. <laughs> he can't see because his vision's overtaken by warnings, and it's pretty good. Uh, he has to eventually, just like, I mean, this is a very good episode of, like, the ending is very surprising because it comes out of one episode here that is all about every character growing more, right? Even mm-hmm. even though our Lower Decks friends will probably never be, well, Tendi maybe, it sounds like, promoted to the bridge. Um, it's it's still a show about people growing and like every character has to grow by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and so everyone tackles their issues, right? They're everything they've developed in, in this show and before Tendi not being confident in herself. Um, Rutherford having Rutherford has to save the day by, you know, making sure that he's not as protected as he feels like he has to be. Right. Right. Um it's all good. Um it's it's all very good. Like it's a really cool episode. Um they have to strip the ship of all the hull plating manually. Right. So, yeah, so their their plan is now like we have to take all the hull plating off the ship so that we can fly through the debris field on like thrusters or whatever with no power on so that the uh the rocks don't get them. Don't knock yeah. out the power um permanently. And so who is it? Ransom is the one that is the quote unquote determined to be the best pilot on the ship after everybody argues about it for a while. Yep. And he has to pilot the ship through on thrusters only. Uh, and they take the view screen panel off the ship and just open the front of the ship to space. Yep. So oh, that he God. can see. And Mariner and another girl, I can't remember her name. But someone that, like, Mariner had been, like, sniping with a little bit throughout the season, just being like, oh, hi, like, whoever. And Oh, yeah, she goes, isn't it, I think it's, isn't it Jennifer? Maybe. I think it's from, it's a, this is one of those things that's a throwback to the first season. Jokes in You've the first season. You've no, seen her before. No, you haven't seen her before. Well, I mean, you have seen her this season once. Um, and you see her at the beginning of the episode. But... I think she she comes out of a joke. So one one time in the first season, um, Mariner is running down a hallway, I think, and Tawny Newsom was just cracking jokes uh, and doing like improv. And in one of them, she says like, "Get out of the way, Jen," or something like that. And so they created this character out of that joke as like someone she's always grousing about mm-hmm. but is never really a character and nobody knows why she's grousing about her um okay I, that definitely seems like something they would do on this show so 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. So Jen has been mentioned multiple times throughout all this show. Like, I think um, at one point, Mariner says that uh, that Billups used to call her Jen and that, that really pissed her off because she wasn't Jen and how could she think she was Jen? You know, that kind of thing. Right, right. Um, yeah. So I think she's a character we haven't uh, actually seen until this season though i think she's only been mentioned anyway so she gets mentioned at, at the beginning and and uh i keep calling and want to say tawny newsom but uh, um mariner says like why don't you like me she's like i don't even know who you are why are you talking to me right it's like the person who's like mariner has been thinking is like you know actively you know snubbing her and all this is just like i have no idea who you are yeah um <laughs> She and Mariner get paired with the job of finding the asteroids, which becomes very dangerous. They ping pong their way through the the asteroid field, right? Um, but to get through the asteroid field, they have to release one more deck plating. Right, there's one that gets you know the, the engineering team and everyone is releasing all the deck platings, and there's like a cool scene of them taking all of them off. Dude, that and was so cool. It was cool. It was extremely cool. Yeah. You know, all all of them in like the Starfleet, like walking outside spacesuits, yeah, and like picking up the cylinders and twisting them and pushing them down to the, let the pieces off. All the stuff from uh, First Contact, right, where they where they yep. keep pulling those cylinders up and turning them and pushing them back in. Um, and so then there's one piece that gets stuck uh, because they're getting ready to go and they're running out of time, and so they order everyone back inside and they have to release it manually from the inside. Yes, and the piece. To get to it, you have to go through Cetacean Ops. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we get to see Cetacean Ops after after so the many mentions this season. Yeah, yeah. This is another one of those things, right? Just like Jen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a joke they made in the first season. And it's a joke they made again this season. And you just think, like, ha, 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 Cetacean Ops. That's funny because they're... They're like, oh, what? Are you going to go, like, learn in Cetacean Ops or something? Well, they They, never... It's like stuff they throw away talk about. Right. And they never tell you what it is. Right? Right. So, you... Like, me, being a person that has watched a lot of Star Trek, I thought, like, oh, that's funny. They have a division on the ship of people that deal with whales. Right. Right? Like, because, you know, whales are important now. Uh, I thought to, it would be like, oh, this is like an aquarium or something, right? I didn't think that far. I thought it would be a bunch of people that are like like there in case they encounter cetacean problems or like doing studies when they go places with, you know, whales or whatever. I thought that more like that because it's just ambiguous. Cetacean ops. And they never, the they never they tell us. They never say anything about it or what it does or why. Yeah. So we finally go there, and it's not even close. <laughs> there are two cetaceans. Are they like beluga whales? They're they beluga whales. Yeah. Uh, uh, their names are... dressed in Starfleet uniforms? Their names... I, I wrote their names down in my notes. Their names were Kimolu and Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, like, yeah, it's like a big room... And in the center of the room is like a diving pool. And the cetaceans are in, you know, the, the whales are in the diving pool. But like, yeah. they seem like they are smart and like intelligent and they can do stuff. Well, I don't but, know how smart they are. Definitely intelligent. Um, 
but like isn't it isn't it matt and like one of them keeps saying things and the other one will like repeat them or like say that you should do them after people have already talked about it and the other one's like yeah they already said that dude it, yeah it's a lot of like that the the second one will come up and say like we should do this and like that's what we just said matt yeah yeah it seems like matt's a little bit of a surfer bro you know what i mean mm-hmm, totally uh that's the vibe i got from matt it was like matt and so we're I, already I two what... steps ahead of this yeah so I, get with the program here matt yep and and I forget what the like inciting incident is, but everyone has to leave, and Mariner or not Mariner, uh, Boimler has to dive with the two cetaceans to pull the last lever to release the deck plate or something. Um, because they were all together someone, here at one point, and then yeah, they, they were all together. To Mariner has to go to the bridge, right? I don't remember I don't why Tendi and Rutherford, Rutherford can't go in the water. Well, Rutherford can't see, right? Rutherford, it's Rutherford can't go because he can't see. That that's why he can't do it. Right. I don't remember what Tendi's deal is. Um, is she like afraid? Of, I can't remember why she can't go in the water. But uh, yeah, Boimler's like, no, I got it. It's fine. Stop like doubting me. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that's that's the growth, right? Like everyone's ready right. for him to do his job. Um, and you know, so then they start. They're like, we're out of time. We have to go. Yeah. And you know, apparently they start and- we didn't even mention that. The, apparently they do navigation on this. Who the the um the cetaceans, oh, the, the cetaceans. navigation apparently yeah. oh man um and so and Boimler so, has to yeah. swim down and it, the the dolphins can't do it because it's made for hand not dolphins belugas can't do it because it's made for hands and they can't fit right. in the corridor to go and remove even, and then even then if they could they don't have hands yeah. so they gotta yeah so. Boimler gets there, but his air is running out because uh, he hits his shoulder yeah, he or something. Yeah, cuts his shoulder, so he runs out of air. Um, and, you know, dramatic moment here as they're starting to approach the minefield, or the uh, minefield. I keep calling it that. It's a, like the, basically the asteroid a minefield, jumps. right? Yeah, yeah. And Boimler is losing his air to get the last piece off, you know, and because if, if they go in with that piece still attached, they're going to get attacked by all the asteroids. And just in the nick of time, it comes off, and then Ransom is piloting the ship, you know, manually here. Uh, and, of course, in the nick of time, the Cerritos shows up as the Archimedes is about to impact the planet. Yeah. <laughs> like, just in time to uh, tractor beam the, the ship out of there. Right. Which is great. It's great. It's a great episode. Um, everyone's eventually fine at the end. Like they give you the scare about Boimler, mm-hmm. whether or not he's going to make it. Um, they give you a scare with um, Mariner as she gets knocked out of the ship because of the open viewport, but Jen saves her and Jen right. admits like, actually I I'm just jealous and I like you. It's like, Oh, okay. Um, and Tendi finally fesses up to knowing that, you know, the doctor said she didn't belong on the ship. And the doctor's like, she's, you're right, you don't belong, but it's not that you don't belong on the ship, you don't belong in medical. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, you belong in science division. Right. Uh, so so she's you're moving from the med you're being, to the science division. You're being transferred and promoted. Right. Yeah. Um, on the ship, though. Right. Which is all great, and you think you're, like, in for 
oh, interesting. Maybe some people are going to get promoted. And they're going to move somebody up to captain, and she's going to move over. Right. Well, <laughs> the whole thing is that Freeman has still been like saying that she's yeah, I'm going to go that she's leaving. Yeah, and but she says at the end like, oh, the people are here to talk to you about your promotion. The what was it? Star Starfleet Ops is here, and it's like, oh, it's about the promotion. Hey, by the way, I'm going to turn it down. So she walks into the meeting because they had such a good time, and like yeah. she felt so connected to the crew after this big, you know, stressful event. She's like, you know what? I need to stay here and turn this down. Yeah, I I, I would in. rather be here, right? Like I I right. But she walks into the meeting, and they immediately throw her in handcuffs and say, uh, "You're responsible for the Packleds destroying their planet, or something." They have pictures from stuff that happened earlier in the season of like when they had the pack led on and when they had uh, and like they are accusing her of doing something here, like masterminding this or something somehow. No, I think. Yeah, but it, the packlets blow up a Verubian bomb on their own planet accidentally, I think. I see. Uh, and I so th- they're, they're part, saying yeah. Freeman did that and was like a war criminal. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. What? <laughs> yeah. But they have pictures of a whole bunch of stuff and they using it against her. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, stuff from that. We did see, right? Like, yes, all stuff we saw. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, so then it ends with a to be continued. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, what a great show. Oh, so good. Apparently. So I looked up cetacean ops just to, for the fun of it. Uh, to see sometimes people catch stuff. Remember that site I sent you last week and sometimes mm-hmm. memory alpha catches stuff. Uh, Cetacean ops has been mentioned twice before Lord X. Really? There was an alternate timeline in TNG where they said somebody was supposed to report to Cetacean ops. And in another TNG episode, Jordy asks a Ferengi uh, if he saw the dolphins on the ship yet. Interesting. Which, huh? I think okay. I slightly remember that one, and I thought, "Oh, on the holodeck." But right, um, yeah, no. Okay, yeah. I didn't remember that it was a real thing, but there we go. I didn't either. That's that's just more crazy. of them showing how deep cuts they they love these. this. They love Star Trek, man. Like at in a, a core level, these guys love mm-hmm. Star Trek. It's amazing. So, yeah, there you have it. Very, very impressive that they're pulling like cuts from this deep. I love how much this show feels like every week. It feels like TNG. Every week you're Mm -hmm. watching just the issue of the week. But like at the end of the season, every time so far, it's been like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. All these little pieces are coming together and they're not big pieces and it's not a huge story. Right? The end of this season ended with the cliffhanger is we saved a ship that was going to fall into the atmosphere was the hugest thing that happened this season. And the cliffhanger is the captain got arrested for a crime she didn't commit. Right? And how many seasons of Discovery and Picard and all these things where it's just exhausting because it's just explosions and people saving the universe. And I love that this is like this is the stuff that they want to do with this show, right? Yeah. This is the show that wants to make like in jokes and really, really dumb 
like uh, situations that are like fully tropified and then like make cute heartwarming stories out of them that then provide you know fuel for the characters that we love that are part of the show right yeah i'm this all is, i'm already more uh, invested so good. i'm more invested in the 20 episodes of this i've seen uh in the character i know everybody's name on that ship mm-hmm. i know you know everything i need to know about them to like them and root for them I still can't tell you half the bridge officers' names on Discovery. Dude, so true. Th- this is the thing that I think continually shocks me about Discovery, is how can they not look at a show like this and take easy lessons, right, to make their show better? Yeah, I it wonder if they did you- for uh, for Strange New Worlds, if they took these lessons, right? Yeah, we hope, right? I just, I don't know how someone doesn't, it feels so obvious. And like, of course, you can't just like apply the stuff that this show does, like this animated show does to a live action show. It won't work, right? The Mm. animated show has a lot more freedom with being able to change locations and sets and, you know, stuff like that, that is going to cost way too much money to film in some instances, right? Right. But... The stuff that they do, the continuity in their story of like less continuity, but more, you know, like direct episode to episode continuity, but more character growth is the recipe for a much more interesting show. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like, how is this not <laughs> obvious? I, I don't know. I, it, it, being on a starship and moving around the galaxy is exhausting to begin with and trying to remember every drop of plot all the time is exhausting also. And like, yeah, I mean, premium TV, right? That's what Mm -hmm. everybody wants. Everyone wants game of Thrones on their platform and discovery is star Trek's game of Thrones, right? Or Picard. I don't know. Pick one of the two, but like, yeah, sure. Sure, but, but you gotta you gotta manage that stuff, and you gotta make it make sense, and it can't be the same every time. Is the fate of the universe, the fate of the universe, the fate, of, and it's just like right. I, I'm. You have physically exhausted my attention. Right, Give we have us. gone, we have gone in discovery from creating a a war with the Klingons to that far into the future, right, a thousand years into the future. Hmm. That's where we started. A war with the Klingons before the Enterprise storyline in the original series, 2,000 years in the future, and everything in between, including Spock. It's just exhausting to think about like the amount of stuff they've tried to squeeze into that show versus just like letting it breathe a little bit. It's not premium. It's not even premium TV. It's like frenetic. Yeah. And they... And it's it's only because this exists that you're like, wait, okay, this is what happens when you slow down a minute. Yep. Yeah. I I don't want to harp too hard on Discovery. It's not poorly made. It's, you know, and it's well acted. Yeah. It's the, this is the problem with, or I don't know, this, this thing we're talking about is our issue, or I think, I, I feel like it's the same issue that you and I have with a lot of modern Star Trek, right? Yeah. 
the movies have some set subset of these issues. The all the shows have similar issues, right? Picard and Discovery both. Maybe Strange New Worlds will or won't have those issues. I don't know. It's but yeah, it's exhausting. A lot of it is exhausting, and I honestly sit here thinking about Discovery next season after watching this and being like, which one deserves my time? Because I'm starting to run out of time. I agree. I think that, you know, I'm going to watch the next season of Lower Decks. It's not even a question, right? I will make time. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see with Discovery, man. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, we run a Star Trek podcast, but like or sub podcast, but it's it's a once a month thing, and it's for enjoyment. And like, I could go. We could talk about old episodes of Star Trek and still look I, at them potentially and get more enjoyment. Get more, right? like, yeah, that's... enjoyment, and, th- and that's the thing, right? Like, we just talked and ended four episodes talking about Ava and like Evangelion for the people that didn't listen to them. Um, mm-hmm. It's really having me reevaluate the time I spend on, on what I want to spend watching, you know, because like, dang, there's a lot. <laughs> yep. And there's new. Yep. There's new Star Trek to talk about, bud. Yeah, man. I watched uh, it. So I did not. I it, for the uninformed, I guess. I think Andrew is talking about Star Trek Prodigy here. Yes, I am. The Nickelodeon adjacent show. <laughs> Animated. Yeah, because it's what, like Nickelodeon streaming or something? It's, I don't... it's Paramount Plus uh, with okay. all the other Star Trek stuff first, and then it goes to Nickelodeon after. And then, so it's like alternating. It's on, it's always on Paramount Plus, I assume, but then Nickelodeon gets it after Paramount Plus gets it. Um, buddy? There's a whole world of Nickelodeon stuff that I forgot. They're bringing back all that? I mean, okay. I just... The ads were so different than the ads we get when we watch Discovery. I was like, what I, is this? Uh, I'm sure, right? The uh, the ad system on CBS All Access is weird anyway. But the... Yeah, you're not going to get the same set of ads on the Nickelodeon show. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, Before you go too far, hold on. I want to bring up Nickelodeon is so in such a weird place right now, too. You know, they're doing NFL stuff on Nickelodeon. They are. Yeah. With and not just like they didn't just do it like they put the 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 stuff on people, right? Slime. Slime slime people. Yeah, they slime people. But so they're they're broadcasting NFL games and like with like kid younger commentators and, you know, one like football type person geared towards younger people and like they have slime zones and stuff but they're also doing like interviews with athletes cool and like having the younger kids ask them questions and then like the athletes are being like fun and talking to kids and talking about the cartoons they loved and stuff like that but like so it is like a very weird place i don't understand what that channel because it used to be that channel was like kids stuff cartoons essentially right like kids programming and cartoons all the time but sports now and all sorts of stuff star trek so what's the deal with prodigy uh prodigy for people that want a quick rundown is more like a uh star wars 
Clone Wars style show. Um, it is 3D animated, and the animation, by the way, is very good. I I was shocked that the, just- the backgrounds are better than some of the backgrounds they put in that Bad Batch show that they just released on Disney Plus. Like, I don't know if that's going to keep up forever, but it, it was surprisingly good animation for a Nickelodeon level show. Some of the stuff that they've shown of it is like very good looking. Yeah. Um, I just don't think I was sold all the way on the premise, but it's a teen adventure. So when I say the clone wars for some people, they're going to worry about like Ahsoka Tano and all that sort of young characters being kind of like whiny and that changed with the clone wars over time. Uh, This starts off with some teen characters, uh, Gwen and Dal, I think are their names. Um, Dal is a, they're, oh, everyone's in the Delta Quadrant. Dal is a prisoner on some sort of mining planet. And Gwen is the daughter of the people that are imprisoning everybody on the mining planet. Um, and they're both like kind of like teens trying to figure out their way in the world. I think they're, mm-hmm. they're literal teens, not tweens or anything like that, like 15, 16 or something like that. Okay. Um, so it's like, almost adults trying to figure out how to change their lives. Right. Because they're at that point of like, we need to grow up and do, do something with ourselves kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like uh, he, the beginning of the hero's journey potentially. Right. Yeah. Possibly even a little bit. Right. Like the need to get out from the my kid parents gets, and need to go see well, the world. If and- you think, well, yeah. So one of them is like that. And the other one is, is, you know, the 17 year old kid, is the King Arthur type where he's given the sword, right? And it's like, oh, well, I have to go make something out of this. I I am yeah, nothing, sure. but I have this magic sword now, right? Um, that's kind of the story they're setting up a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know from these first two episodes that were released as one. Um. I don't, I, there's no way to really tell if it's going to be more episodic or more serial, like which way they're going to go here with like, oh, so is the next episode going to be them just sort of trying to figure out the ship or is there going to be a direct, okay, here's what happens immediately after the last episode. And I, it, there's no way to really tell with these first two episodes here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there only have been two. That was going to be my next question. Is how yeah, they're released as one 45-minute episode. Okay. Uh, Got but but after that, I think it's going to be eight more 30-minute deals. My other question was going to be, you know, so this show uh, has... Uh, it's like it's, sh- it's streaming, but then it's on TV later. Yeah. And then, so they are... I was wondering, are they doing the... I guess Paramount has been pretty committed to the like one a week thing. Uh, like it's TV definitely yeah, it's, it's one a week. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if they put out like a bunch of them for this one because it was new or something, but I no, guess not. Okay, yeah, just one a week. So the premise is that it's five years after Voyager, uh, and this is in the Delta Quadrant, and they f- uh, find a ship called the Protostar. Okay, on this mining planet. And uh, a quote-unquote bad guy. I don't know that you want to... I mean, <laughs> it's pretty clear he's a bad guy, I guess. There's really no way to know what his motivation is yet. 
Um, okay. But he's played by John Noble, who was um, uh, what's his name from Lord of the Rings, Denethor. You know, like uh, Boromir's. Oh, dad. that guy. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. There's Famous this character actor. Dude, hold on. You should see the, the cast on this is crazy. You got um some relatively new people, Brett Gray and Ella Purnell. I don't know them, but Jason Manzukis. Okay. It plays uh, plays one of the characters. <laughs> his character says his full name every time he talks and talks about himself in third person. It's really funny. Okay. It's funny one hearing Jason like- It's funny hearing Jason Manzukis yelling, Junkum Pog is gonna do this. And it's like, okay. All right, man. Um pretty good. D. Bradley Baker for people that um know Star Wars is uh Captain Rex in Star Wars, uh Clone Wars. Uh, plays a character jimmy simpson the character actor who you would recognize from um always sunny in philadelphia maybe or psych or other tv shows he's like a really really prolific and memorable character actor and then you got uh, when people like that get work yeah kate mulgrew is back as janeway um so what is the deal with Janeway in this show? Because so at the I- very end of the episode, the second episode, I guess, or the 45-minute episode, they're like, they, they get this ship going off the ground, but they're like, we have no idea what we're doing. And someone finally says the keyword help. And then a emergency uh, holographic, like like the doctor, but for the bridge, shows up. So, ah. so remember when the doctor made a versions of himself in Voyager that could do different jobs and they were, he was trying to convince Janeway that they needed an emergency captain, an emergency, this, an emergency that around the ship. Hmm. This is a version of that kind of idea where like she can be on the bridge and teach people how to manage the ship if necessary. Like if the crew if the bridge crew died or something and, and people needed to take over. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So th- this is the, she's the doctor emergency hologram for, for the, bridge. the bridge. Yes. Got yeah. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the conceit for having her on the ship, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, like said, but literally you see her good. for, I've only seen her for about 40 seconds, right? She popped up after somebody said help at the end of the episode. So, you know, this is, you know, as it sounds like this is the, like setting the stage episode anyway, right? Like these, this 45 minute. Yeah. It was very thing. much, it was pretty, it was pretty plot heavy in terms of setting all this up. I mean, they have a lot of characters they introduce in this. I think there's one, two, Three, four, five, six, seven characters on the ship already, right? Of our our main crew, I guess you would call them. There's two villains already that you need to know. So there's nine characters to know already, right? And and so they set up most of those. Uh, the other than. Dal, the main character, they only spent a little bit of time on each character. Enough that I know their names um, okay. already. 
So they're pretty. A lot of them are pretty easy to remember. They're all single syllable names except for Junkum Pog. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, but there's a decent. Well, I'm mis- curious to hear mystery. how this goes. I'm know? gonna watch. I think I'll watch it. Um, it's interesting enough to me, and I wonder. I'm wondering about whether or not the kids could maybe watch it soon. So I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick this season out. There's only eight more episodes in their half hour. Um, and I like that style of stuff that kind of Nickelodeon does really well, which is, um, things like Avatar or to a lesser extent, cause it's on Netflix, the Voltron series where it starts off with teenagers or kids and they grow up as the show goes on and the stories get more grown up as the show goes on, much like the Clone Wars did. Um, okay. It's kind of an interesting style of kids show. And I think that's probably what they're going to be headed for. Um, and there's just, there's not that much that's actually cutesy about it. Uh, Rock Talk, which is one of the characters, is is pretty fun. <laughs> it's a really good joke. Uh, I'll just spoil it because you're probably not going to watch it. Uh, where there's this giant red rock monster, basically that the main mm. character gets paired with and he's like, keeps calling him dude and they can't talk to each other on this planet. The, uh, the villain doesn't want them to have universal translators. So they can't plan to escape and anything with each other. Okay. Got it. Um, so he assumes rock talk is this like giant monster guy. Right. And, and rock talk is kind of like, uh, bullying him around and trying to make him do his job and doesn't want to like rock the boat. But the main character is obviously trying to do his own thing. And uh, they finally get in front of the Universal Translator. And the voice that comes out of Rock Talk is an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Fun. It was. It made me laugh out loud a little bit. Well, that's good. And, you gotta uh, subvert the expectations. So she instantly becomes extremely cute <laughs> as this giant rock monster. Um, and they have another character that's supposed to be cute, but I, I have yet to understand why it's in the show uh it's like this blob an indestructible blob that can eat anything and i don't know what it's what it's there for but anyway um okay yeah it's definitely not uh even as integrated into star trek as lower decks is it's they're they're doing their own thing you know so far the only integration is uh janeway uh, and saying things like the Delta Quadrant and the Starfleet ship. How did the ship get there? They haven't explained mis- that. They have not explained it. It's a mystery. Okay. Um, it was a mystery why it was in the middle of a mine. They had the. It's in the middle of a mining planet, right? Like the sh- how did the ship get inside of a yeah, planet? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. How did yeah. it get there? Right. Exactly. So that's the mystery. Okay. I'm assuming that will be part of the show as it goes forward. We'll it's find written out eventually. It's written by um, Kevin and. Dan Hageman, Hageman, I don't know their name, how you say their name, but they wrote, they wrote Hotel Transylvania and um, the Lego movie and one of those Crudes movies too, I think. Um, Okay. So I'll put, I'll put some faith in there, you know? Proprietors of lots of liked kid television and movies. Right. And some of that stuff is semi-adult. The Hotel Transylvania and Lego movie stick out to me because they were also written as one of those like sub adult stories. Like mm-hmm. you could watch them as an adult and enjoy them. Those movies are pretty old at this point though. Right. Original Lego movie. Dude, original Lego movies like 2014 or something. 
2014 maybe i think it's 2014 yeah that's a long time ago sure sure but you know okay they've been doing stuff i'm sure they've done other stuff since then i i just i don't know yeah all right i I mean like they're up to good right this seems like they got some good people who know what they're doing yeah see it seems the acting is good it's not like flat it's it's good and the animation is surprisingly good like really i can't imagine why they spent so much money on animation for a kids show um but they clearly did and uh and yeah and so far the story's i mean blandish but not unmeasurably and they did a good job introducing everybody i think so i'll, I'll keep up with it and let you know what's going on Oh, you! Yeah, oh, totally. but we didn't. I sent you. Uh, we got to watch the opening. I want to know what you think because it's it has a full on Star Trek opening, just like all the other shows, and uh, and the music is made by um, Michael Giacchino, 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 the guy that uh, does all the music for the current Star Trek movies. And I'm watching this. Tons of Disney stuff. Oh, oh are you hitting play already? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna put it it plays automatically when I open the window, so I didn't have a choice. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Mine did not. Yeah. Kind of. Pre- I mean, you can tunes get it. all right. Yeah, I'm, the tune's pretty good, right? And you can see the animation. It's this it quality. Looks very nice. Yeah. It's this quality as the show goes on. Oh, interesting. Now I know what that is. Okay. I didn't know what it was when the show started. Giant hand. Mm-hmm. Oh. Janeway is the only character who gets her face in the opening. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird, right? So in the background of a lot of these shots is faces of people that are in the show. Oh, okay. So the there's a... A shot there of Jane. They don't read to me as faces. Yeah, a lot of them don't. Yeah, so I can, once it's kind of over. I like the ending. The music kind of kicks up. I like those few notes at the very end there. It almost starts to, you hear that like classic Star Trek, like do, do, do chime, you know, right before you hear space. Yeah. Final Frontier. It's good. That's good. Yeah, he did a good job. I think he toned it back from his normal, like, huge horns and stuff that he does for Star Trek. So mm-hmm. there's a couple couple faces in here. If you flip to, like, 46 seconds, um, uh-huh. that is the head of two of the characters. I can't tell which one. I think that's Gwen's head. Gwen is one of the main characters. Um, at about... Uh, oh, gosh. Where was it? Man, it doesn't skip around very quickly, does it? No, this is not the best place to watch this, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I found it on their website. Oh, okay. Uh, so a, at twenty like robot face, twenty nine like seconds. seconds. So at twenty nine seconds is um, another character named Zero. She is a incorporeal being in a metal suit. So that that like purple stuff is her inside of a metal suit. Got it. And then 50 something seconds is I think like, Janeway's face, isn't it? Or no 50. There's like a big robot. Face oh, okay. That's, um, 
That is, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, starts with a D, Dreadnought. He is a AI of some kind who is the main antagonist, but not the main bad guy, right? Like the there's a guy that is behind him that's his boss called the Diviner. Got it. So, but he's the bad guy you've seen the most so far. He's really cool. He's like a almost like a General Grievous type character. Hmm. Okay. Very effective, kind of like the leader of the army thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Very, very nice little kids show so far. That's all I have to report on that. <laughs> all right. Well, I, you know, like I said, I don't think this is for me, but I'm not. It might not, I'm not be. Closing the door. I'm not closing the door yet. I'll, I'll hear some more from it from you, and maybe I can go back and catch up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it the whole season for me to watch all of it. You know, I mean, it's not gonna be that long at the end. So, anyway, right. Uh, Thirty minute episode. People had thoughts on uh, Lower Decks season two, or. They think Prodigy's going somewhere different than I think it's going, which is the, you know, Clone Wars gentle journey for the kids for the first season, at least. And like, oh, they're being rambunctious in space, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, you know, more like Star Trek Rebels is what it reminds me of. Because that's about a teenager. Definitely more Star Trek Rebels. Yeah. Anyway, uh, where did you send that? Uh, you could send that to podcast at weweregamers.com. We will happily uh, read those and learn about... I, I really am curious what people think of Lower Decks, and if they have opinions about Prodigy, please do send those. I am curious. I, I am too, because I feel like I'm out here all alone with you and me, and I, there's a good audience for Lower Decks. I'm not saying there's not. I mean, they just got renewed for a third season for for a good reason. Mm-hmm. There's definitely an audience, but like, I feel like we're staring at one thing being like, how did, how does, how does this exist in the same time frame, not time frame, but like our time in 2021 as Discovery and Picard. And, and I feel like I'm taking crazy pills that they can all exist at the same time and, and be so dramatically different. So if people have deeper thoughts on that, send them in. Yep. I'm, I'm deeply curious. Uh, so please do that. If you are in- so inclined, we would love to hear from you. We are also on YouTube at search for we were gamers on there. All one word. And give us that little follow that helps us out a ton. We'd appreciate it. You can listen to all our podcasts on there and we sort them out into playlists. So if you just want to listen to these subspace transmissions, you could do that. Or if you want to listen to the main pod or component class or whatever else. Oh yeah. Please, please check those out. Uh, we are, at we were gamers on Facebook and Instagram and other social media, Twitter, wherever else you want to find us on there, please do. We're happy to chat with you. And we look forward to there being more good Star Trek to talk about in the future. Oh, there will be. We'll see what the next episode brings. It'll be a surprise for everybody. I know we didn't really Ooh. cover it. Maybe we have to cover it on the next podcast, but I think I might be just done with trailers. Right? Like, unless you're going to show me something atmospheric, like, okay, hey, go watch this Dune movie because it looks like this, but I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to watch that. Also, Witcher. like, you already, kn- I mean, I'll, uh, I watched it. It's 
fine. I don't know. I'm Do not going to watch that Witcher trailer. They, I'm already going to watch you, it. I'm not going to watch the trailer. Yeah, it's fine. I they don't just show know. you a bunch of shots. It doesn't like I don't I don't feel spoiled, right? Like seeing about them doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they're like hinting at what the plot's going to be. I don't know. It doesn't. I don't feel that it, it spoils me. Okay. Also, I'm not so sensitive about spoilers. So uh, that's not really an issue for me. I just get annoyed the, that, and and that's the thing is, I'm not sure that it's spoilers as much as it is the trailers. Because it's Look, it's man, easy for the trailers. You don't have to watch the trailers. I know, I know, but it's easy for the trailers to be one thing and they're not that, and the, I they could be so much better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, don't watch the trailer. You know, it's, I'm not it's easy it's solved. Um, yep. you should go watch that Dune though. Also, uh, I think with something like Dune in specific. At least for me, there can't be a spoiler because I know what the story is. Yeah, the book exists. And so that's kind of. Yes. Like I spoiled myself 20 years ago when I read the book, you know? And to be fair, a Denis Villeneuve film, often the trailers are fine. Like I watched the trailer for um, Blade Runner 2049, and I was like, Mm. cool, this is an atmospheric trailer, and I have no idea what happens in this movie. Right. Mm. Yeah, they're not a. Yeah, yeah, I... and they don't they don't try to make you feel like you know what happens I in think, the movie, and I, by I think putting the... together a hodgepodge of quotes that are nonsensical, like that Batman film trailer. I think there's something else, especially because this is a streaming show. You know, they are trying to get people hyped up and showing the most exciting and interesting stuff that's going to happen because they want you to resubscribe to Netflix for this or whatever. Uh, my Netflix is still feels valuable ish. Yeah. I I'm very curious about that cowboy bebop. I want to see what they do with that. So that's coming out uh, in November. So I'll be watching that probably. Maybe that's our I don't next know if I'm gonna, uh, subspace transmission. I don't know if I'm going to be able to convince my wife to go along with that one. So cowboy bebop. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. I showed, I showed her the trailer and she did not appear interested. So that's okay. Yeah. Not everything has to be shared. Yeah, it's fine. Right. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I'll watch it. I said, I'm going to watch it. Whether I'm... she watches it or not. Separate discussion. I will also be watching it. <laughs> so yeah, that looks good. I'm very curious what they're going to do with it. Cause it looks like they're just doing the show. Like I've that trailer again, I watched the trailer. You don't have to watch the trailer if you don't want to. The characters look a lot like those characters. The people in those trailer are people from the anime. Yeah. I just wonder, like, the atmosphere of the anime is so defined by the environment that they drew. Like, and the, mu- and the, sh- music. the music and the ship. Like, the, the mm-hmm. amount of detail that went into drawing the backgrounds in that show was immense. And, like, if they don't hit do- the props and the the uh, sets, set dressings yeah. correctly to begin with, that's going to be a problem. They did get Yoko Kano in the seatbelts. Done. To, so. Cool. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very curious if they do new arrangements of those songs or new versions of those. Like new music, right? Or if they just got them to replay the stuff from the anime. I mean, like, Tank has been all over everything, of course, because Tank is an amazing song. But, like, there's a lot of good music in that show. Oh, yeah. My favorite song isn't actually Tank from that show. I mean, 
I will listen to Tank more than my favorite song, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but my favorite piece of music from that show is at the very end. I think it's called Blue. Uh, the one in like the last episode. Yeah, it's with the like one the chorus. It's also it's, it's also a Yoko Kano song, but I think it's the yeah it's the chorus Everything song called called Blue. Okay, at the end, uh, the one, the one in the final scene. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay, I know which one you're talking about. That's uh, a great song. Yeah, and, and if I if I think about Cowboy Bebop the show, that's the scene and the music that I that hits me the quickest. But if like if I'm ha- out and talking about Cowboy Bebop and having a good time and we're all thinking about it, then you know, then you want Tank, right? I'm a big fan of there's a song in there that's like a a jazzy number, I think it's Gateway Shuffle. Oh. That if- one. I think there's a few different ones in there. It's or fee or fee is the one for the dog, isn't it? I don't remember which one is which. Mm. I anyway that I think it's Gateway Shuffle that I like quite a bit. Mm. Um, but I, I've had the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack for years, and I listen to it all the time. Like not on the regular, but like not infrequently. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wonder. Are they gonna d? De- de-anime uh, her clothes quite a bit. Oh, they've shown pictures of uh, Daniela Pineda as Faye. So you haven't seen the trailers? I have okay. not, yeah. Uh, I already knew I was going like to watch a, it, so I don't really care about the trailer. She looks like a, a human. She doesn't look like an anime person. That's good. So How does... Uh, I, I don't know if her storyline will be any different. Um you know, or, or her character or personality, but she yeah. doesn't look like some anime naked lady. Okay. Did they get a corgi? Uh, I mean, yeah. How much you want me to spoil here? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it needs to be a corgi is all I'm saying. Yeah. There's a, there's a dog in the trailer. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I know as much as I need to know, Netflix is making a live action cowboy bebop and I'll probably watch it. Yep. I don't think there's any chance that I won't. Even yep. even if it someone says it's bad, I'll probably still watch it. Yeah, I think I'm on that train as well. So 